Is It Transphobic? will be addressing issues of transphobia and transmisogyny. We may also address issues of racism, classism, ableism, and various other intersectional issues in this podcast. So this is a trigger warning. The panelists on Is It Transphobic? will also use strong language. So listener discretion is advised. I had the opportunity to sit down with playwright, novelist, life coach, and all-around awesome person, Ray Mariah McCarthy. We're going to play a clip of my interview with them now. It was tricky because, like, in the end, the, the Blue Fairy comes along, like, in the original story, mm. the Blue Fairy comes along and says, because you have been good, I will now make you a real boy. Mm. And that was not the message that I wanted to send. Now, that interview will be a part of a mini-episode exclusive to Patreon backers for one month. And then it will be released here. But if you want to access that interview now, go to patreon.com slash isittransphobic. And for even just $1 a month, you can download this interview now and hear it. Uh, But that's not the only way to experience Ray's work. Their novel, Squad, published by Macmillan, is now out wherever books are sold, digitally as well as in person. Uh, I can't emphasize enough, try and visit uh, brick-and-mortar stores, uh, brick-and-mortar stores, uh, but the podcast that they mention is Girls' Tales, and you should absolutely subscribe. They're available anywhere that you can listen to Is It Transphobic? And you can also go to girltalespodcast.com, and you can hear their tale, the one that they mentioned about Pinocchio, live in New York City, Sunday, June 23rd at 11 a.m. at Books Are Magic. That's at 225 Smith Street in Brooklyn. The best part is that this will be a show for all ages, and it is free. I've just been told that Scowl is coming back to New York City. That's right, Scowl, heavyweight champion, April Rain. Wow, doesn't she sound amazing? We'll be defending her championship in an open challenge. Now, you never know who might show up to accept this challenge. Could the Edison Destructor robot make an appearance? Who knows? Uh, Maybe standout of Scowl Fight for Your Rights, Kyle Oren? Ooh, that's Space Wizard. Or, coming off their big win from Steampunk Symposium in Cincinnati, could we see London Jack take up the challenge? Ooh, that posh werewolf. You'll have to show up and find out, as both these events are part of Worldwide Pride celebrating 50-year anniversary of the Stonewall Riots. Now, there are two chances to see this one. The first is June 19th at the Crane Theater for the Paper Crane event, which you can get tickets at Paper Crane, that's Crane with a K and an E at the end, dot com. $10 at the door, but if you get them now, that's right, they're only $8. So order them now. The other one is free! That's right, it's part of the Pride Plays Theater Festival at the Rattlestick, and it's going to be happening on Monday, June 24th at noon, and it's part of the Trans Lab collection of plays, collection of new works. You can get the ticket link to this one, as well as the Paper Crane Show, at the Scowl website. That's scowlfight.com. So remember, June 19th at the Crane and June 24th at the Rattlestick. Scowlfight.com. Thank you so much for listening. Now enjoy Silas, myself, and Ray talk about a series of unfortunate events. 
Thank you so much for joining us for the Is It Transphobic podcast. My name again is Ashley Rogers, and I use she, her, or they, them pronouns. And today I'm being joined by... Uh, Ray Mariah McCarthy, they, them pronouns. And Silas Barrett, he, him pronouns. Awesome. And today we are talking about Lemony Snicket's A Series of Unfortunate Events on Netflix. Specifically... We're talking about Season 1, Episodes 7 and 8, but I'm sure that we'll talk about other aspects of the show. I also would love to talk more about the henchperson of Indeterminate Gender. Um, but let's talk. Who Would either of you want to sum up the story that we're seeing in these two episodes? A series of unfortunate events is a um, a series of unfortunate events that happen to three orphan children, mm-hmm. and uh, it is sort of a fairy tale absurdist kind of story that is followed by a narrator named Lemony Snicket, who tells us about these poor rich orphans who are being chased by a wicked man named Count Olaf who is trying to keep them around so that he can get their fortune. It's kind of a Garganel situation and it depends on like sometimes he wants to kill them, sometimes he needs them. He always needs them so that he can get their money, but it's unclear. They, they don't get their money until the oldest daughter comes of age mm-hmm. and sometimes he just gets frustrated and he's just like, I don't like you and I'm also a bad person so I just want to murder people. And he does murder a lot of people. So many people. So many. So many unfortunate people. <laughs> Fantastic. In this episode, this series of episodes specifically, because the way that Netflix has it is basically like an hour per each space. So the Baudelaire orphans are constantly moving from one space to another with a different caregiver uh, who is in some way, shape, or form related to the family. Uh, whether by blood or by some sort of other series of events. And in this one, they have found themselves at a mill (laughs) and are told that they'll have to work. (laughs) A mill called Lucky Smells, (laughs) which I assume is a reference to mulch. (laughs) I guess? Uh, That was my best guess. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's that's basically what happens, and then like with every episode, Count Olaf shows up, but he's in disguise, and nobody listens to the orphans. Uh, and this is sort of why we're covering these specific episodes, because in this episode, uh, Count Olaf commits to becoming, and I can't remember the character's name off. Shirley, Shirley Saint Ives. Shirley Saint Ives, <laughs> a the secretary of the optometrist. Of the mill. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> what did we think of Neil Patrick Harris as Shirley St. Ives? Let me just ask that as a general question. Neil Patrick Harris makes me so angry okay. because he's so, like, objectively so talented. Mm. And then does a lot of things that I think are a little bit questionable, mm. and then, but also, some part of me is also just like, wow. And especially like having him have to do so many characters, mm-hmm. and he sings in the show, of course, and, and his, his voice for Olaf is like this beautiful, resonant thing. 
Mm. And and so it's really like I didn't like it, but there was always some part of me that was just like, yeah, but you're still really good at what you do, mm. even when what you're doing is a problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm. Um, I am just going to admit that I, I I don't enjoy this show. I find it deeply stressful. Oh no! I, I'm, I'm so sorry. <laughs> 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 enjoying my own stress um <laughs> so uh i'm just going to like put that as the as the the precursor to this mm. um i i will because we are on the is it transphobic podcast mm. um i like the the one thing about it like the one bone i'll throw to the shirley say knives thing is that the, the joke wasn't like Look, the dude is ugly as a woman. Yeah. Um, that like, the sort of a, a Joan from Mad Men sort of look mm. uh, going on. Um, that that's the. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, I'll I'll just leave that there for now. Okay. Yeah, and we'll we'll come back to that as well. I know for me, I actually I didn't hate this. Like, I, I thought when I heard about this, because I'd watched the entire series multiple times, because uh, I actually thoroughly enjoy it, but at the same time, like, when I had heard about this episode, I was like, oh god, where's this going? But I think because they built up that this is what the character does, this is part of who he is, he's going to try and, like, he, he is literally dressing up to trick people. A, that's already got a lot in it, especially coming from a trans lens, but exactly like you pointed out, the joke wasn't, oh, because you, you see this, there was a movie called The Box Trolls that just tanked, oh. um, and... Wait, is that based on Treasure Trolls with the, the gem in the Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, okay. That's, but yeah, yeah. No, they, yeah, they did make a movie like, on that. They did, yeah, yeah. I did, which I also didn't see, but, like, Treasure Trolls mm -hmm. were, like, a very important part of my childhood, so... Oh. Yeah, it was the same studio that did uh, Paranorman and Coraline. They did a movie called The Box Trolls. And I think it was based on some story. Uh, but the idea was essentially that... Ooh, that's a noise I shouldn't make. Anyway, um, but essentially, like, their villain was a sort of, like, yeah, evil person. And they did not... Like, they looked... They basically, at one point, dressed up like a woman... They looked ugly, but all of the men were falling all over them while also calling them ugly. And I love that they didn't do that in this. And there was actually a really good joke, because again, like, the, the adults never listen to the children. Uh, and so when they said, I'm going to look for the quote, it was in episode 8. They've just seen Neil Patrick Harris as Shirley, and they say, um... If... Nope. <laughs> Basically, they, they make this whole... They make this whole thing about how... Oh, there we go. Uh, that's not a woman. And 
they thought it was all about Dr. Orwell, so they just ranted at the kids about these somewhat progressive things about like, oh, a woman can be anything. Like, right. <laughs> she's like don't call her a man just because she's wearing a pantsuit. <laughs> <laughs> like, I actually really enjoyed that because it was that whole like, okay, that is a very good turnaround on like, okay, well, they're not listening to the kids, so that's a problematic, but at the same time, they're not listening to the kids, and that's why they think that they're talking about the wrong woman. <laughs> <laughs> right, it wasn't a, like, Austin Powers, like, that's not a, that's no yeah. woman, that was, it wasn't that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which I appreciate. <laughs> Austin Powers also has an important place in my childhood, but that's a conversation for another time. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have you back on to talk about Austin Powers. Yes, <laughs> thank you. So you can talk about his media you enjoyed. Great. <laughs> I wonder how I'll feel about it now. But yeah. yeah. I digress. <laughs> uh, and I actually, I love the reason that he picked this, because they actually, it's very subtle, but he picks up the phone while he's talking with his ex-girlfriend, ex-wife, Dr. Orwell, uh, and he just, like, immediately goes, hello? Like, he almost, like, realizes, oh, I can't be Olaf. <laughs> so he just commits. <laughs> subtle small touch to say like oh this is why he's going in this direction because he already committed to it so well he's gonna have to do this <laughs> there's also this great line and i didn't write it down so i'm not gonna get it verbatim but mm. in that same scene mm -hmm. it's him and and uh and dr orwell together just chatting about their evil plan and whatever and and they're kind of arguing because the, there's like all this tension between them because he left her to die and they broke up and mm -hmm. she was like, you left me drowning under a bridge. And he's like, water under the bridge. <laughs> <laughs> but and they're, they're having a conversation and, 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 he, and she makes some crack about how like he's already, you know, telling her what to do and wearing her clothes. And he goes... Yeah, it's funny how quickly you fall back into old habits. Yeah. And I was like, ooh, gender play. <laughs> yes. I'm like way less offended that he's doing this. But the point is that this is a comfortable thing that they've done before for other reasons. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, maybe just as a disguise, which, but. There is an extent that it still kind of sexualizes the idea of uh, a person, of like a man wearing a dress. But at the same time, that is a thing that some people do get sexual gratification from, and I don't necessarily want to kink shame on that. If there was more trans representation, I might be able to say, like, okay, great. But, like, yeah, okay. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. the, the thing that I, uh, that as I was watching, I was like, Am, am I cringing or am I marveling or both? Uh, mm. Was like, there's this whole scene where um, Olaf as Shirley makes makes a play to the the owner of this mill, yes. um, saying like, I'm just a you know a poor childless woman. I've dreamed of having children of my own, and but I'm you know so busy as a secretary, I can't. And, but uh, trying to get in the give the the Baudelaire children to her. Um, and like the 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 feminine mannerisms are are like really exaggerated, and so it's like mm. it it's like kind of I, I I'm like it's in this like uncanny valley where I'm like is this is this just like uh just sort of within drag vocabulary or mm. is or are we like making fun of a thing or like where does this live? Mm. My brain isn't quite sure what to do with this information. 
Yeah. Did you have something? You well, want? Did you I, I, I kind of else? agree with that. Mm. Like it's it, you. It sort of went back and forth as far as like the tone would kind of convince you in one moment. Mm. I think the thing that didn't push it over the edge for me is there was no like overt sexualization. Yeah. And the owner of the mill is is gay and has a partner who's also his partner, which yeah. is a joke. Which okay. Um, we'll we'll put a pin in that. Yeah, we'll come back around to that. Mm-hmm. But like they don't. Yes, Olaf is tricking them to like get the children, but as you mm. pointed out, it's exactly the same rote trick every single time. Yeah. Oh, I'm, you know, the assistant to some guy and I'm German and I'm going to put on a weird over the top <laughs> German accent or I'm going to wear these ridiculous, you know, things and every time there's like, "Oh, that can't be Count Olaf because his beard is shorter." And the kids are like, <laughs> so that, that kind of, it takes the it takes a little bit of the teeth out of it. If it yeah. had been, I had only seen the pilot before this, mm. and he, he doesn't dress up in the pilot yeah, because he, he doesn't need to disguise mm. himself yet. So, actually, I watched this and I was like, Ugh. and then I went back and I watched some of the other episodes. And I, yeah. as I think, as you were saying, it made it a little bit like not a hundred percent because you can't really escape it. But I was like, all right, so. They're, they're not making a specific commentary quite so much. Yeah. They're just saying that we're going to use this questionable disguise. From what I understand, the books are a lot worse. Um, I have not read the books. I don't know firsthand, but a lot of the things that I'm seeing from a lot of the critiques online was that the books did lean heavily into a lot of the stuff we're saying we're praising this for in some way. Like, oh... Yeah, they didn't just, like, make it all about, like, oh, this ugly, ugly person is suddenly like, ah, I'm wearing a dress! Oh, wow, who's this hottie? But, like, <laughs> so, um, so I, I will say, like, I think that they did have a keen eye for that. There are a couple of lines that I read that I was just like, mm-mm. Uh, one of the things that I noticed was that Neil Patrick Harris had lipstick on his teeth. And I noticed, like, I made note of that in episode 7, and I was just like, oh, of course, they're going to make this person like, oh, yeah, look, just, like, you know, again, that idea of, Clueless. Like, yeah. Like, the, the clueless doesn't know how to do, quote-unquote, doesn't know how to do femininity, but is still, like, looked at as a totally passing woman. Um, and then he actually, it was brought up to him in episode 8, and he says, yes, it's part of my character. <laughs> So in episode eight, when he talks about his name, the the I can't even remember the name of the character, but yeah, Shirley Saint Ives. Shirley Saint Ives. I, I always have to say them that voice, Shirley Saint Ives, like <laughs> <laughs> like I'm a like I'm a stewardess. Yeah. <laughs> no one's a stewardess anymore. Get out of here. <laughs> Flight attendant Ray. <laughs> I'll go. I'll cancel myself. <laughs> Uh, but but seriously, and you have to kind of, I hate to say it, you have to kind of pause it. Uh, it's at the 4 minutes and 35 second mark. Uh, he points to his name badge, and you can see that whether it's actually his body or someone else's, that he didn't shave his chest. And... Oh, I missed that. It's, it's really like, because I was looking, like, I was hyper-focused. I was like, all right, what are the things I'm looking at? And it was just like... Yep. Which, Neil Patrick Harris, they either didn't focus it, they removed it in post, or he himself actually did shave his chest, and they put his shirt on someone else with a hairy chest. But it's kind of a thing I can't ignore anymore. Is like, they made that conscious decision to show that, and yet he quote-unquote passes. 
So it's just like, okay. It's, it's really, I went back and forth on it, and I think this is going to come up again when we talk about the henchman of indeterminate gender, mm -hmm. who was done very differently in the show than either the movie or the book. Mm. Um, and and it, I, I think I agree with you, but there was part of me also that was, because it's such a non-issue for all mm. the people, they're just like, yeah, it's a lady. Yeah. And we're not going, ooh, why is that lady hairier? Ooh, why does that lady have that weird nose that mm. seems, you know, the prosthetic that they put on? And, and and that was like my big fear was that it was mm. gonna come up and be just like you know honey like kind of like the lipstick yeah like that it was gonna become like some kind of joke or some kind of observation by one of the other characters and like even the kids they're going you know that's that's Count Olaf that's Count Olaf but they're not saying that's Count Olaf can't you see like his manly chest hair or can't mm. you see so I was like I still didn't like it but I was like did you. Did you think about this at all? Was that mm. a conscious choice to avoid dipping that far into the stereotypes that we've seen before? Yeah, I see that. Yeah. So there's... <laughs> you know, I was going to yeah. be way meaner about this show, and I feel like yeah. I'm being really nice about it. I mean, I could talk a lot about the weird CGI baby. <laughs> Uncanny Valley, that's like almost oh yeah. Twilight level yeah. stuff. I don't know what that was about. Which I do love the baby, but yeah, it gets weird, especially yeah, when like the baby, baby is eating things. Right, and there's like this weird puppet, and then they just <laughs> CGI the face on, and it's a, the, the skin mm -hmm. is like grayer than mm -hmm. the other children. It's weird. <laughs> We brought up the uh, the two owners, the partners of the mill. Um, let's talk about them for a moment. I want to pose the question, do we think that is actually good queer representation in this show? Can you represent anybody well in a show where it's just about bad things happening to children and all the adults around them just letting it happen? <laughs> <laughs> Like, there's the, the yeah. bank owner and his wife, mm -hmm. and I was oh like, God. oh, look, they, like, included people of color. This isn't a world of white people. Awesome. Yeah. And then they're super exploitative of these children's, like, tragic loss of their oh parents in a fire. The wife is a newspaper reporter, and she's like, oh, I put you on the front page. You're so lucky. And they, like, you know, get mad at the kids for not mm. wanting to eat dinner, and it's really strange. And I, I feel like part of the problem is everybody in this show or almost everybody except for the guardians like they get the good guardians that Olaf then shows up and murders yeah those are usually good people but everybody else is malicious or ignorant and self-absorbed in a way that allows the malicious people to get away with everything mm. so I guess my answer is no I don't really feel like it's good representation <laughs> but I don't feel like it's worse representation than kind of just everyone in the show mm. <laughs> yeah I mean it's it, 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 first of all, I missed that they were also romantic partners. Like, that, uh, that was what I was See, that was more what it was. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, but, like, given that and, and, and learning that uh, this moment in this interview, <laughs> um, I am, uh, it, it's, it's a, like, it's an abusive dynamic. It's, like, mm -hmm. one part, one person just throwing a lot of tantrums and getting their way and the other person just acquiescing to them. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, I hadn't 
it hadn't occurred to me to think of that in terms of queer dynamics as I was watching it. Uh, and now learning this, I'm like, oh, it makes sense why the like poor gaslit subservient guy like goes after uh, his partner in the end. Because I was, I the whole time I was just like, you don't have to do this. Like, why, <laughs> why are you here? Like, but now I'm like, oh, they were. Yeah. Okay. So they're they're together. Like, okay. So I. Who among us cannot say we have like gone after, not gone after, too many double negatives, gone after a terrible person that we should not have gone after? Uh, I I cannot say I have not done that. Yeah, and I I think that they didn't necessarily commit to making them a specific couple. It was just a bunch of like even uh, Patrick Warburton's Lemony Snicket. Which, by the way, I love him as Lemony Snicket. Yeah, I didn't. I, I thought I was gonna hate it when I heard about this, and he was great. Um, but his Lemony Snicket, when he talks about like, because they're like, oh, this my partner, and he's like, partners can mean a lot of different things, including uh, uh, people who are involved in a business transaction or et cetera, et cetera. And they don't really commit to it. And there are a couple of moments, like, when I think, I think he's just called Sir, the, the Colonel Sanders-looking dude. <laughs> Which, again, how the fuck did I miss <laughs> when his name is literally Sir? Yep. <laughs> with, with Sir. Uh, like, um, so the, the, the good one that we're pulling for, I can't remember his name offhand, I wrote it down, but he, he leans in for a kiss at one point. Uh, Charles. Charles, there it is. Yeah. Charles leans in for a kiss, and Sir just walks away. And it's really, it's still really subtle, and I actually was very impressed by the actors by not making it like over it and like, mm. but like, yeah. I, I forget his name, but that actor who plays Charles, mm -hmm. I love him so much. He did that one character on Bob's Burgers. Which, wait, which one? Remember the episode when Tina joins the debate team and they yeah. try to distract her with the hot New Zealand exchange student? It's that guy. <laughs> Wait, really? Yes. It's the same guy. The oh second I heard his voice, I was like, oh, yes. Amazing. <laughs> so I was predisposed to love this character very much. But I, really, I actually really liked the bit you're talking about, about yeah. uh, Lemony Snicket, because that's one of the running things that they do in the show is both the children and Lemony Snicket give definitions of words, which I assume comes from the book that is written for kids to learn vocabulary, mm -hmm. which I kind of love. And he does say, he says, you know, it, it can mean business transaction, it can mean this, it can mean romantic, and sometimes it means both. Mm. So he does, and like, and then later when the kids are talking, they're like, you're his partner, and he's like, mm. Mm. But like, and they like set him up as this weird sort of like, what would be called the stereotype, like the housewife. Yeah. Just is only allowed to iron the shirts, even though he's also a business partner. In all fairness, he also makes the omelets. Right, the omelets. Until yeah. he gets hypnotized. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, Can we so, talk about how anti-capitalism this episode is? Yeah. <laughs> that has nothing to do with transphobia, but... Yeah, no, they're, they're fed on gum. Yeah, yeah they fed on gum and coupons, and coupons, but they love working there because they've been brainwashed. Mm -hmm. I didn't mean to interrupt. I'm sorry. No. <laughs> well, and, and especially like for the ending with Sir, it, it's so fascinating that they kind of let him go and let him because I think like those though they live actually they're one of the only uh, caregivers that live. Yes. 
Yeah. Well, because Sir the point Charles. of Sir is he just accepts that all his beleaguered workers are happy. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know they're being brainwashed. Mm. So he kind of... I mean, he still did things wrong, but he didn't do things as wrong as the real bad guys. Also, the guy, his leg gets crushed. He lives, too, which really surprised me. I was like, yeah. where's the unfortunate events? Everybody's okay. But he's an optimist, so he, he has He pops live. up later in the show, too, and he's Does still he? positive. Yeah. I'm going to have to watch he's the like, rest of the show. I think if you enjoyed these episodes, you should watch the rest of the show. It's it's very much the same tonal thing. If you didn't, however, <laughs> I think you're just <laughs> going to be an anxious away. mess the entire time. So <laughs> I would need I, that warning. I did I did enjoy the song at the end of episode eight. Yeah. I, yeah. We love a musical oh. number. Ooh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I I I will say so I was um finishing watching episode 8 like on my phone on the way over here mm-hmm. and uh we had gotten to the last few minutes of the episode and I was like I'm pretty sure the transphobic part or the 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 stuff that we're going to be talking about in the episode is over but I'm going to finish watching the episode. And I was like Aww. okay, they got they got me. Mm-hmm. They got me. Like I like, even though just watching terrible things happen to children over and over is not something I'm going to, like, yeah. voluntarily keep doing <laughs> in the form of watching this show, I was like, all right, yeah, I, I must have been invested if I'm going to watch the rest of this episode. Yeah. Yeah. And the stuff, I'm not necessarily going to state what happens because, spoilers, but, like, the stuff they did with the 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 two the Will Arnett and Robin from uh, How I Met mm. Your Mother, um, that stuff was great, and the way that they tie that into the ending, like oh my god, I love that. If you especially for following following from the first season, like starting right from the beginning, you're just like oh my gosh, oh my gosh, they're they're oh yeah. Just like, oh, I know, I know. Sorry, spoilers. Yeah, it's it's really sad, but oh, it's so good. Um, So let's talk about the hench person of indistinguishable gender. Wait, Uh, so is this this person in episode 7 and 8? That was the thing. I thought they were. They weren't. Okay, because I've Mm -hmm. seen, like, the first two episodes and and these two for for Mm. this. So I I, I... I thought that that was just in reference to, uh, to the the Shirley thing that you were talking mm. about, like a trope that Shirley was embodying. Um, but no, there's a there's a, a literal character called that. Yep. Yeah. Let me see. <laughs> in the I'm... movie, this character literally dresses in the bisected oh like my gosh, suit on one side and like evening gown on the other. Yeah. That was literally my Halloween costume when I was ten years old. By the way, <laughs> didn't know I was. Non-binary for another 20 years. Not gonna lie, <laughs> I always wanted to do that because it was like, growing up I remember that character, a character doing that on a show called Get Smart, um, which was a, a fake spy show that was like a 60s comedy, all campy, and they, they came across someone who basically, like, they came across a freak show, quote-unquote, and one of the characters was that way, and I was like, oh my god, this is my this is my excuse to be able to wear a dress. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm very much with you. <laughs> somebody did at the Met Gala, too, didn't they? Did they? Oh, somebody did. Oh, I can't remember, yeah. but somebody did. I was saw it a Game of Thrones person? I don't remember. I don't it, was remember. Some, it was somebody. I'm a somebody. Bad I, as I remember, it was person, done tastefully? No, it was really great. <laughs> I just don't remember but who yeah. it was. Mm-hmm. 
I'm just going to say it was a Game of Thrones character. Um, so the the person that portrayed this, let me pull up. His name is Matty Cardadropel. I'm sure I'm mispronouncing his name. Um, he was what I want to bring up. Things. So in the the entire show, he wears he the actor portrays a number of different people that are also helping out Count Olaf, uh, much like the hook-handed guy and a couple of the other folks. And he will portray, like, he'll basically not change the way that he speaks, not change the way that he acts necessarily, but he'll wear dresses, he'll wear the things that he needs to to portray these characters. So I'm curious, uh, just like, on a, on a idea level, because this actor, to the best of my knowledge, and what I could find out, he is still a cis man. Is that a problem, that he is portraying this type of character? Yeah. Because I have my opinions, and I realize that like that also has its own baggage that I want to unpack, but I want to put that to the panel before we continue. Yes. I'm mm. going to say yes. Mm. I um, I haven't seen all of it. Mm. I watched the first episode, which the character is in, and then I watched the second half of The Reptile Room just because Google said that that character shows up dressed as a nurse. Mm-hmm. And it does put on like a, a more like, stereotypically feminine voice and then mm-hmm. forgets, and they're like, what happened to your voice? And covers their face, too, which... It was odd to me because mm. I came at it being like, you know, the point is that they're sort of indeterminate. And I, by indeterminate, they obviously mean like from binary, you know, societal yeah. norms, what you would call masculine and feminine. This person is very androgynous. Mm. Um, and I didn't really feel like the show was necessarily like saying that so much. Mm. Like this person couldn't just show up and be like, yes, I'm a lady nurse without questions. Mm. So that was really strange to me. And then I, I wondered if the show wasn't saying, like, this person just honestly isn't clear about what they identify as. Yeah. But, yeah, so, mm. but, yeah, I don't, I'm not crazy about the idea of just throwing that in there in that sloppy way without knowing that some person who is some level of non-binary or agender was involved in that decision. Mm. At least... If they were like a writer put this character in, and but we cast this as actor, I might be like, oh, okay, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, not not having seen this part, mm-hmm. I'm hearing this description, and am I correct in that like the the variety of presentations is like sort of the same way that Count Olaf does disguises? Like this is an opportunistic thing, like specifically for the situation, and like not really about like the way that they identify? Yes. I will say in later seasons they actually do a really good job of exploring it a little bit better. So I would love to maybe revisit in a little bit more detail as well uh, once I'm able to track down a couple of those episodes. But at the same time, for what we have seen, yes, it's just in an opportunistic, just in a deceptive level. Gotcha. Okay. Um, I... I'm going, I'm going to let that marinate because it seems like you have yeah. something to say. So many things to say. Well, I was thinking about that, too, because the, the, the point is Olaf is an actor, mm-hmm. and he has all these actor friends as part of his actor troupe who help him do this, and they all show up in you know disguises depending on what he needs. So um, there's this one guy who has, you know, he has the little, like, pinchy hook hands, both hands, 
And so there's this running gag where every time he has to pretend that he has, you know, natural, or I don't even know what the correct mm. word would be. I'm sorry, my, my um, but ableism he has hands is showing. But he's right. he on fake plastic hands that yeah. look really silly. And he'll, you know, he'll be doing things with them and they'll be on backwards. And it's, mm -hmm. it, it struck me as a little bit weirdly ableist and kind of strange. Mm -hmm. It was the same thing, like, no one's calling him out, but it almost seems to be the joke. It's like, look how much these people can't pull off what they're trying to portray. Yeah. And yet no one but the children can figure out that this person clearly has hands that come out to here with, like, plastic things stuck mm -hmm. on the ends. Which is a little bit iffy all around, I think. And throughout the series, they do a really good job of showing that these are all people that have essentially been tricked. Not necessarily tricked specifically, but they've fallen under the spell of Count Olaf. And Count Olaf is, in a lot of ways, gaslighting some of them. In a lot of ways, just deceiving them in a way to try and get them to do what he wants. But at the same time, they have found family in each other. And trying to figure out how to, to mitigate the idea of, like, well, I don't want to be doing bad things anymore, but these are my, this is my family. And I think that they do that really well, and again, like, that's later on. I brought up, because he's a very, like, he's, I really like him as an actor, the guy that portrays the hench person of indeterminate gender. Uh, so this is a, you may have seen him in Stranger Things or a couple of other things, uh, he's one of those people that, like, when you see him, you know exactly, you know exactly who this is. Um, I'll pop it up on, <laughs> like, he's, he's a very specific person. Yeah, a, um, a character. Yeah, he's actor. like, he's a very specific character actor. Um, the, the reason that I kind of am, have issues with the fact that I have issues with it is because... Because I agree with you, and that's, like, my immediate thought is, like, ah, well, they should have got a non-binary person to portray this character. At the same time that... So the, the immediate issue is this person is not out as non-binary. That doesn't necessarily mean that that he is not. He uses he right now. So, like, and I, I don't know if that's ever going to change, but we don't know. But that also gets used as a... a straw man defense against casting out trans and non-binary actors is that idea of like well you don't know how can you know maybe this person maybe jared leto is trans and the idea is casting as out uh for this type of casting so and i think that's why i i have issues even just internally it's like i don't want to blast this person i don't want to blast the casting either just because this person is not out, but at the same time, yeah. Well, with the character, it, indeterminate gender to whom? Yeah, is, true. Like, that, that's a real question I'm asking because I mm. haven't seen those episodes. Like, mm -hmm. it, it, are we led to believe that this person is, is kind of, has, has the same, has that attitude about their gender? Or is mm. it just like, that no one can tell and like no one feels like comfortable asking and they keep showing up in different presentations mm. for the show that's absolutely like it's more they keep showing up in different uh representations different expressions okay um but for the original novel and the original novel the the character was called person who looks like neither a man nor a woman and they changed that for the show 
Okay. Um, isn't in the in the book mm -hmm. that person also can't really speak? Isn't that part of it? They only speak in like grunts. Oh, I don't know. I believe that. I'm pretty sure that's correct. Hmm. But I also might be mixing it up with the movie, though. Yeah. To be honest, there's one version in which this character only speaks in grunts, mm. and this is not it. The, the character is actually kind of eloquent, and mm. I liked that. And I, I, I think I read something about them before where, about the grunting, and I was like, what? Mm. what? That's like, oh, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Find out. Yeah. Find out for yourself, because I'm not like this. Yeah, a, a mute androgynous person. How could that possibly go wrong? Yeah. Well, and. and I do actually like his portrayal of the character. It's not great, it's not perfect, knowing, like, there there is still going to be that part that's going to be, like, at me, that it's like, eh, but, eh, but at the same time, like, eh, it's, it's handled with care, in my opinion. Um, so with that, I want to talk a little bit about uh, Neil Patrick Harris, the person. And then we can kind of wrap it up, and I'll ask the two questions I ask everybody. <laughs> Silas needed to take a moment. Yeah. That is okay. Um, specifically, there were a couple of things that I found out because I I just started looking for what people were saying about this episode because I remember hearing a lot about it, but there isn't a lot actually that held up as far as like the criticism of it. Um, the, the, the major things I saw was that in 2011, and I forgot about this, 2011, uh, Neil Patrick Harris on national television said the T-slur. Oh, Neil. Yeah. He did apologize for it. Uh, he apologized a couple of times, and it was around the time that RuPaul's Drag Race was getting big, and people were finally accepting drag queens and learning that the language drag queens use for one another is not applicable to trans folk, and many of them are offensive outside of specific micro uh, societies? That's the wrong word. Communities? Thank you, yeah. Um, so I think that was, for a lot of people, a learning moment, including Neil. Uh, later on, he actually, in 2017, James Woods, uh, tweeted about this family that was basically like this the the poster for uh, parents accepting their child uh, 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 assigned male birth child expressing femininity and basically James Woods insinuated that he would uh, like oh you know your your kid's gonna grow up to be a murderer uh, and Neil Patrick Harris just like went at him and so I think it's tough because Neil Patrick Harris does make a lot of has made a lot of decisions, but I feel like he's willing to listen, and I feel like he has actually listened on a lot of cases. But yeah, I'd, I'd like to know what your opinions, if there's anything that I wasn't able to find that you remember about Neil, because I know, like, Silas, you have opinions. Yeah. <laughs> so I'd like to hear some of well, them. No, I haven't yeah. heard that second story, yeah. though. Good. Yeah, I, mm -hmm. I think I might not have been up to date on the sort of maybe evolution of his, mm -hmm. his understanding. Because I had a couple things in my head of choices that he made. I think also, like, um, he pl has played a lot of characters who are kind of jerks mm. just in his career. And sometimes it can be difficult to separate mm. an actor from their roles. <laughs> so I may have been doing a little bit of that, yeah. too. He plays a likable jerk. Like, it's... I know that Olaf isn't likable, but, like, I st you, you still kind of, like... I, yeah. I didn't like him in How I Met Your Mother, which yeah. is, like, a huge thing. People have a lot of opinions about that. I, I, I actually, yeah. I do like him as Olaf, though. 
I, I think he really <laughs> brings this like something, this presence, this gravitas to this yeah. ridiculous character. And that is something that Neil Patrick Harris is very good at, at going that like super camp route, yeah. but also having that really, like that core of, I personally, the actor and person, don't think this is silly, so you believe it, which is a hard yeah. balance to find, and I think why he's really good in the part. Mm. See, I, I think that, um, like Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog, mm. Amazing, obsessed, and I think that he's like a very lovable bad guy in that. And I, I, I do not experience Count Olaf in the same way. <laughs> um, I'm just like, you're, you're a jerk, and this is like, you're you're coming up with very innovative ways to be a jerk, but, mm. eh, but um, <laughs> I'm surprised we're, like none of us are talking about Hedvig yet. Yeah. I feel like, okay, so let's talk about Hedvig, because I feel like that opens up a whole other can of, can worms. of worms, but uh -huh. talk to me about Hedvig. Talk to me about um, your... Well, because it, it's like, would that character have transitioned if not for like certain um, ex mm. like experiences in their life? So like, obviously this character is like presenting and living that way now, mm. um, so like, I go back and forth on whether to even call that character a trans woman. Mm -hmm. um, so it's yeah, it's it's not it's not black mm. and white for me, which is interesting because they keep talking about black and white in the in uh, episode eight of season <laughs> one of a series of unfortunate events. Um, <laughs> bringing it back full circle. Um, you were you were making opinion noises. Do you? <laughs> I, I was disagreeing with you. Yeah. That's all. Great. Because <laughs> I 100% I agree, and that is why one day my my Hedvig DVD has like gone missing. It's I have the case, but the DVD is just like nowhere to be found. So I've wanted to do Hedvig on the show as like the movie specifically, and uh -huh. then talk about like a lot of the because it's always a cis man in the more professional. Yeah. Productions, and I've seen a lot where a drag queen will portray Hedvig, and ultimately, like, it is one of those things where I would love to talk about it because it, is it, can it be a trans story even if it's not a trans character? Because this character does transition, but again, it's more character-wise, story-wise, circumstantial, right? And it's it's a fascinating question, right? So. And it's yeah, it's mm. sort of like well we we did it so we're we're committing to the bit or is it right. like you were you were that all along you didn't have mm -hmm. the outlet or language for it before mm -hmm. I don't I don't know I think there's a lot of different ways to read it and like mm -hmm. that combined with like how much I deeply love the music oh and like God, how much and how much it makes <laughs> me cry yeah um it, it, I I can't be mm -hmm. I can't be neutral on it. Because I think even if this character, let's say uh, Hedvig, prior to meeting uh, the the American GI character, prior to that, whether they actually are trans or not, they do have an experience of now. Even if again, like they've never necessarily felt like a woman, quote unquote, a woman in a man's body. Um, right. They are now experiencing both the idea of becoming. Of transitioning in some way and so in that way I do think that that is still a trans narrative but at the same time I don't necessarily know that that character is trans like we like Silas and myself are trans or like 
Yeah. So it's it's ah uh, yeah that's a whole other episode. What are you doing? What are you doing? You're killing us. This, is this your way of saying you want to be on another episode? I would love yeah. to come back and talk about that. Fantastic. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. So we'll, we'll we'll figure out where it's streaming and then. The, the three of us will come back and do another episode on Hedvig soon. Amazing. But, so we're going to table Hedvig for now, other than to say, yes, Neil Patrick Harris was the first actor to portray Hedvig when they brought it back. Uh, on when it was Well, the first time it was on Broadway, but when they brought it back uh, to the live New York scene. Yes. Yeah. And I, I did not see his performance, but I, I have the recording and still prefer John Cameron Mitchell, but mm -hmm. there are some songs where I like the arrangement better, so I listen to Neil doing that, and like, you know, he, I, I mean, he nails it, but like, yeah. John Cameron Mitchell is untouchable. Mm. So good. <laughs> okay. okay. So, we're going to ask the two questions that we ask everyone, because uh, our next contributor uh, should be here. <laughs> we'll see when, uh, when they're, we'll see when they're here. But, the first question, is it transphobic? Now, you can answer this. Uh, by going for a 1 to 10 route, like 10 being the most transphobic, 1 being the least transphobic. You could answer this by just making a noise. Uh, you could answer this with a simple yes or no, if we want to stick with the binary. <laughs> we want to stick with, as they put it in the show, black or white. Um, or, yeah, like however you choose to express this, I just ask that it be audio in some way, because the podcasting audience will need to know. <laughs> Ready? <laughs> All right. Who wants to go first? I'm gonna say yes, mm. transphobic, but like more low key transphobic. Mm. Like not so transphobic that I couldn't watch it. And they didn't. They didn't go for what I felt were like the most obvious jokes at the expense of the trope, mm. the sort of man in the dress trope. So a little bit, but not too bad. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I feel like, okay, like, uh, yeah, there's there are certain things that we're used to seeing from that scenario that didn't happen here. There's still a, a weird, like, exaggerated femininity, like, jokey mannerisms thing going on that, that does feel transphobic, uh, but I, yeah, but it's, but I'm, I'm not watching it going like, I'm going to burn everything down. Yeah. I I agree. I like my 1 to 10, so I'm going to go with like a 3.5. Because it was there. It was present. But at the same time, it wasn't bad. And they actually did some good stuff to to actively try not to... To, to try not to, to, to make the, the harm that it can and did do in some ways to some folks. Because there are some folks that will not be able to watch any amount of man in a dress, and I understand that, and I do respect that, but for me it was just like, yeah, no, it didn't hamper my ability to continue watching and loving the series. Uh, I still wanted to see, like, the second that next season came out, I was just like, yep, we're, we're watching the whole thing tonight. Um, so, yeah, I would say it was there, it was present, but it was like, yeah, it didn't pull me away. Uh, so the final question, did you enjoy it? And again, this could be a binary yes or no, this could be a 1 to 10, this could be just a, a noise. <laughs> well, I watched the uh, the reptile room one, and mm -hmm. that was way better 
than this mm. one. I thought this one was kind of boring. Mm. Uh, my biggest complaint about the series overall is I think they could shave 15-20 minutes off of every episode mm. and then I'd really like it. It, it does feel like it drags a lot to me. Mm. Um, so this episode, no, no, I didn't really enjoy it very much. Mm. Except the for the one actor, the one New Zealand actor who's super cute and I love him. <laughs> so it was worth it for that. Now I think I know what you're going to say right now. <laughs> Let's, let's have you verbalize here's, it. Here's what I did enjoy. Mm -hmm. I enjoy the actor who plays Lemony Snicket very much. Yep. Uh, um, love Patrick Warburton. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I enjoyed the the song that they sing. Um, and I think that I think the child actors uh, do a really good job, and I'm amazed at how much that girl has to hold a baby. Like, mm. what must her days on set be like? <laughs> um, so I enjoyed those things about these episodes. <laughs> I do think that it is my least favorite of all of the mini storylines. Um, there are a lot of really great moments and those moments I do love and they're very heartfelt and like I, I can't, it's, it's a sum of all of its whole, it's a, yeah, it's a sum of its parts. Uh, but like the, the parts that are amazing are just so, they hit. For me, again, if we're going like one to 10, I would give the entire series an eight. Uh, I would give these episodes yeah, six or seven. Like get through them. Uh, there, there's a lot of amazing nuggets. <laughs> amazing nuggets. Amazing nuggets. You're a, you're <laughs> <laughs> That'll be a t-shirt. <laughs> I know this isn't the name of the podcast, yeah. but uh, I, I, would, I, I was having the thought, like, I would also love to have a conversation, like, is it gender euphoria? Like, is it whatever Ooh. the opposite of transphobic is? Mm. Um, conversation. I don't even know what piece of media this would be about, but yeah. I, was, I was like, to be, to be all, to just like geek out on like mm. the like sparkliness and wonderfulness of something. Mm. Uh, when we do ever, like a yeah. Steven Universe or something, we'll we'll add oh. it. Because so, I definitely like I can't rebrand. I know, <laughs> but, I know. I think that's a good name. But I am totally happy with rebranding for specific episodes, especially ones that have <laughs> actual trans representation or were created by trans folk. Mm -hmm. Because we've done that. Like actually Silas and I talked about her story. Uh, we're going to be talking a lot about the Matrix coming up. Because <laughs> uh, everybody wanted to talk about the Matrix, so I'm doing three episodes. Um, <laughs> so, I can't wait to listen. <laughs> But yeah, we'll we'll do gender. Is it gender euphoric? Is that what you said? Yeah. 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 Sure. Yeah. yeah. It's something more positive. Yeah. 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 I was just like, yeah, I, I like that. Yeah. I'll, I'll reframe it. I love I love dissecting things, yeah. but I also like I get so much joy out of being like this mm. thing. They didn't even try to make it trans, but it brings me gender euphoria. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love it. Okay, so tell people uh, how they can find you on the internet if you want them to. What kinds? What are you uh, pushing right now? Is there anything? <laughs> Don't all start at once. <laughs> uh, you can find my uh, writing on Tor.com. I recently wrote a piece about Thor in Avengers Endgame mm -hmm. that I think is pretty good. You can also really find me at um, inland.sailor on Twitter. And Silas Bear on Facebook. Uh, and you can visit my website, MariahMcCarthy.com. That's Mariah spelled like Mariah Carey, and McCarthy spelled M-A-C. 
Um, you can find me on Twitter at Mariah McCarthy, spelled the same way, or on Instagram at Mariah M. Writes, as in the verb. Awesome. And for me, as always, you can find me on Twitter at Lucretia Deerfor, L-U-C-R-E-T-I-A-D-E-A-R, then the number four. Uh, Is It Transphobic also has its own Twitter at Is It Transphobic. Now, you can go to our website. I just created a new website, uh, and right now it is at tinyurl.com backslash Is It Transphobic. Uh, you can also find it on my website ashleylaurenrogers.com Oh, and I forgot to plug my book. I have, <laughs> I have a young adult novel called Squad, um, which you can hear more about uh, in the mini-sode that I did with Ashley. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can buy it wherever books are sold. Yeah, and it's really good, especially if you love uh, if you love geeky things like LARPing. <laughs> or cheerleading. Or cheerleading. Or geeky thing. Yeah, like um, it's, it's really good. Thanks. Yeah. Um, and then also, you have a uh, live, there's a live reading of something that you're doing. Oh, you yes. Did, right? So, mm-hmm. I, um, for the podcast Girl Tales, I wrote a, a transgender adaptation of Pinocchio called A Real Boy, which is having a live uh, performance on June 23rd at Books Are Magic. Uh, I believe that is at 11 a.m. Um, you can go to that if mm-hmm. you like. And I'm sure it's on the website of uh, the Girl Tales podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes. Awesome. Yeah. So just uh, and we also shared the episode, the pre-recorded episode that they did on our Facebook. So check out our Facebook at the at facebook.com/slash is the transphobic, or just look up the is a transphobic podcast, uh, and you'll be able to see and hear it. Uh, I listen to it on Spotify, so I know it's there. So. <laughs> also, we're on Spotify now. Actually, I didn't announce that. We're finally on Spotify. So you can listen to us now basically anywhere that you can listen to a podcast. Nice. Awesome. So let's do something physical for the camera so the people who are joining our Patreon, that's patreon.com slash isittransphobic, will get their money's worth. Only a dollar, and you get to see us do things. All right, I'm doing this now. Oh, Ray, wow. <laughs> you won't believe what you see. You're missing out. Uh, okay, thank you all so much. Thank you. Thank you. Is It Transphobic was produced, edited, and coordinated by Ashley Lauren Rogers. The Is It Transphobic logo was created by Felix Sweeney, and you can see more of their work at tinyliongworks.github.io. The original music you heard was all created by Vivian Allegren, who you can find on Bandcamp at vivianallegren.bandcamp.com.